0: What's up, Law Nation? Welcome to a new episode of the Passive Income Attorney Podcast. I hope you are all having a great week. Before the show, I want to invite you to go to escapethebillable.com and snag our free passive investing guide. It's absolutely free, and it has some great insider content that I know you will find useful and love. In today's episode, we're going to nerd out on insurance But before your eyes glaze over, just know that our guest makes nerdy insurance fun and is changing the way people feel about it. Don't think of it as a necessary evil, think of it as the best night's sleep you ever got. Our awesome guest is Jeremy Goodrich, the owner of Shine Insurance Agency, which makes insurance simple for investors and entrepreneurs. He's the host of the REI Clarity Podcast and the most watched insurance agency channel on YouTube. All right, let's go.
1: This is the the Passive Income Attorney Attorney Podcast, Podcast, where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep start living the good life on your own terms now here's your host seth bradley
0: hey jeremy thanks for coming on the show
1: it's my pleasure i'm so happy to be here so happy to chat with your audience today
0: yeah stoked to have you on here to talk about insurance man we haven't had anybody on the podcast yet but it is super important and everybody needs to learn about it so let's just jump right in man tell us your story
1: absolutely so uh i did not grow up to become an insurance agent i'm sure that you'll be amazed to hear that seth but uh, i grew up to become a teacher i studied to be an art teacher i was a elementary school teacher for 13 years and during that time i met my wife and business partner Mackenzie. she did grow up to become an insurance agent in some ways her grandfather started an insurance agency and uh, she's third generation insurance and when we met each other (laughs) i was an elementary school teacher she was running her dad's insurance agency and, you know, over the course of our relationships, a few years in, we just said, hey, there's a lot of ugly stuff in this industry and we would love to take a stab at it. You know, we feel like there's some misogyny and, and racism and some of the things you see in a lot of the financial world, And she was seeing that in some of the space she was in. And I was like, let's take this on a little bit. Let's go in, in our little way Uh, become our version of insurance and really try and change the way people feel about insurance and change insurance as much as we can. So in 2013, we did that and we've been doing that ever since. Um, Right from the beginning, I was a teacher and I've always sort of come from a teacher's perspective. It's all I know, right? I hung out with 10 year olds and taught them how to do division and multiplication and I loved it and that's who I am. And so I come from that teaching perspective And my clients at the beginning were like home and auto, you know, owning homes and wanting home and auto insurance and stuff. And they were asking questions about buying a house, right? Like what what happens uh, as part of the escrow period? What's the closing like? Who's an what's an appraiser? What's an inspector? How do I pick a good realtor? How do I pick a good lender? And I was, I didn't know the answers to a lot of these questions. And so I was going to lenders and going to realtors and going to appraisers and title company owners and all that kind of stuff and asking all these questions. And I just realized that people needed the answers to these questions. So I created a YouTube channel and started just recording my conversations with these people Long story short, now we have 13,000 subscribers on the YouTube channel, and we've really taken it, take it from teaching homeowners how to buy their first home to conversations about real estate investing as a whole, commercial real estate investing, and everything else. So the channel really ran me up the real estate world with insurance, obviously, as a parallel. And so you know now we have a ton of real estate investor clients in pretty much all classes um, uh, and across portfolio sizes so that was the very quick version of the story
0: very cool man i can relate to that for sure both of my parents are retired school teachers my dad ended up going into be a a boss in the coal mines because it just wasn't enough money being a teacher um, in west virginia but they're they're both retired school teachers so i can certainly relate certainly relate to you in, in that regard
1: Huh. That's interesting move. You know, a a lot of teachers move to different places, a move to being a boss in a coal mine. Yeah. That's not what this podcast (laughs) is about, but I'd love to hear that story sometime.
0: Yeah. Well, I I grew up in West Virginia. So that's kind of, those are some of the best jobs you can get over there at the time. And they don't really exist anymore, but back in the day they did.
1: Uh, So you said you
0: you started this company with your wife. So any challenges, uh, any challenges there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that one of the things we did right from the beginning, I mean, we've got a good thing going, um, but right from the beginning, we really separated our tasks. So we learned pretty quickly, as I think most married couples do, that Like you're, you're living with each other. You're obviously married to each other. If you're going to be in business with each other, it's important that you make sure you've got those tasks really clearly delineated. So you're not stepping on each other's toes all the time. I just think that that can roll over into home and everything else. So we've done a pretty good job of that all the time or across the seven years of our business. And so it's, it's worked out great. I mean, uh, there's definitely pros and cons to being in business with your spouse, but, um, it's, it's working out great for us. We're enjoying it. And again, if I had any advice about that topic, it would be create clear roles that each of you follow.
0: I like that. I like that. Uh, does she help you with the, the YouTube channel and the education portion as well?
1: Nope. She, she sort of serves the CEO role. She's the operations. She's doing the hiring and firing and bringing people in and, and doing all this sort of higher level stuff. I'm doing most of the chatting with clients on the insurance side and doing the educational stuff on the YouTube channel and our podcast, REI Clarity and and coming on people's shows and stuff like that. Very cool. Very cool. Well, tell us a little bit more about China Insurance Agency and what you guys do on that aspect of your business. Yeah, so we're, we still do home and auto, but besides that, we are 100% real estate investors. So on the commercial insurance side, the business insurance side, all we do is real estate investors. And um, I really feel like being focused on one type of industry is important, Uh, insurance is complex and we want to make it as simple as possible. And so we really zoomed in on that. We're an independent agency, which I think is the first lesson when it comes to insurance and how it all works. There's uh, companies you see on Super Bowl commercials. um, And then there's independent agencies who are entrepreneurs in and of themselves, business owners themselves. We go out to insurance companies. Most of these insurance companies only work with independent agencies. And we say, Hey, you're a good company. We like what you have. We would love to offer that product to our clients. And then we build a portfolio of companies that we have in our bag. And when someone comes to us for insurance, we turn around and we pitch it to those companies. We kind of make them fight for the business a little bit. And what we bring back is the best option that we found. Gotcha. Um, So Shine is an independent insurance agency. We've been around for seven years and uh, we only focus on real estate investors on the uh, business side.
0: Awesome. So let's kind of just dive right into that. I mean, so a real estate investor comes to you, um, you know, where do they get started? Let's just go with like, you know, insurance 101. I mean, just take it from the basics.
1: Yeah, so I think before we get into coverage, it starts with the relationship. And I think that insurance, because of commercials and all the things, it feels like this commodity. It's like this thing that you go out and you get the cheapest thing. And if you, you know, maybe you make people bid against each other and all that kind of stuff. And I guess my first piece of advice for your listeners is to really consider your insurance agent, whomever you choose, as a part of your service team, a member of your service team, you should have that person's cell phone number. You should feel like that person after you build a relationship with them is kind of like on your side. Maybe you can even ask them questions about real estate that don't have anything to do with insurance. Um, I think that the value of that individual when you start building your team out is a lot more than just the price of the insurance. Um, So the first piece of advice is, is, is start a relationship. The second piece of advice would be, tell that person, the take the time, which I know it's hard, and we all, you know, take the time to tell that person the story of your properties. That doesn't mean if you have 200 properties or a thousand doors or whatever, you go through every single property and say what's what, but tell them the story of your investing strategy, why you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing what you're doing. So I'll give you an example. If someone I had someone come to me recently, 140-unit multi-family invest, investment, and when I started talking with them about, him, about it, they're, you know, they're looking for distressed assets, they're picking up distressed assets, they're turning those over in the first year or whatever, and then increasing occupancy and things of that nature. Now, that's a very simple example of one type of strategy, right? If I didn't know that though, I could go down a road of just trying to insure it as a normal property, maybe ballparking them numbers that ultimately it's not going to turn out to be. And I've already done that person a disservice because I didn't understand the distressed asset part of what they were doing. So when you're having those first conversations with your insurance agent, it should feel like a business conversation where you're talking about your business, talking about what you're doing, talking about your strategy. And most of the time, I don't even ask about properties necessarily in that first conversation because you've got some document you can send my team. You know, I don't need to ask you about specific properties. I want to know about your business strategy, what I can expect from your portfolio, and how I can serve you. Um, so that was just about the relationship before I get into the coverage stuff. Do you have any questions about that or, or anything, Seth?
0: Yeah, when do you have, those, uh, when do you have that conversation?
1: I think you have it, you know, a lot of people have that conversation when they're picking up a property, you know, certainly if you're picking up your first property, that would be a good time to do it. Or I think if you're leveling up, maybe you've got a few single family homes that you've been, had insured with just your regular old insurance company, it's worked out fine. And now you're picking up an eight unit multifamily and your insurance company says, well, we don't do that. You know, yeah. that's the time to establish that relationship with an independent agent and, and start to get those things going. Um And I think the other time is if you think as you're listening to this episode right now and you're like, oh, I hate my insurance agent, they don't say anything (laughs) right now like every time I talk to them it's total Greek I don't get it, and they won't give me straight answers, or you know things like that I think that's the other time when you realize that the relationship you have right now isn't there. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the earlier, the better, I suppose. I mean, you can start that relationship even before you have a property and see if you get along with that person and see if it's going to be a good business partnership
1: moving forward. Yeah. I think you think of your insurance agent, like your accountant, you know, your accountant is, is someone who you trust, who knows your numbers, who sees your books And who gives you hopefully good advice about how to navigate things like taxes and income and all the the different stuff. And if they don't know the answer to a question, they refer you out to the person who's the actual tax advisor or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think that I see myself in a similar role for a lot of the investors that I work with.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, let's go into coverage. Um, I'd like you to maybe just start where you want to start because I don't want to make it out of order where it's hard to understand.
1: Sure. <laughs> you know, you know coverage. So insurance is both really simple and incredibly complicated at the same time. So let's make it really simple. So insurance is basically three things when you're thinking about your commercial real estate investments or your real estate investments in general. It's building coverage, so coverage for the buildings themselves that you own. Or I should say property coverage in general. So it's bu- the buildings you own and then the stuff inside of it sort of. So your insurance policy does not cover uh, the, the rentals, the, the tenant's stuff, right? That's their renter's insurance policy. Every lease you have should require a renter's insurance policy. We can go in that more if you want, Seth. But uh, you know, your property coverage is the building and the stuff you own inside the building, which is like, imagine picking up a building, turning it upside down and shaking it. Like what falls out that you own? Well, the stove falls out, the fridge falls out. Maybe a washer and dryer fall out if you have that in units. Um, that's pretty much it. Everything else, as you're shaking it, stays in there because it's attached. Um, so the first thing is, is the stuff, your property. The second thing is called loss of income. So this is like if a building burns down and it takes us a year to uh, rebuild that building, you've lost all the income associated with that place. You don't have a lease there, you don't have tenants there. Um, you don't make money there. And so you've lost all that money. If you have loss of income coverage on your policy, then we're going to pay out that money you lost on top of rebuilding your building and replacing your stuff inside. So the second one is loss of income. And then to me, the third one is the most important. I don't care if Grant Cardone or somebody else at the top level of (laughs) everything, you've got to have liability coverage. And that is number three. And Liability coverage is simply coverage for bad things that happen to other people because of you. So, in the case of real estate investors, it's not usually actually because of you personally, it's usually because of your buildings. Someone tripped on the steps of your buildings, maybe a deck collapsed or something like that. You know, there's something bad happened and someone was injured they turned around and found a personal injury attorney. The personal injury attorney said, let's take them for all they're worth. And I know most of your uh, listeners are attorneys and and there's a great relationship between uh, insurance and attorneys. And there's lots of amazing attorneys, obviously, who do great, including personal injury attorneys. There's wonderful personal injury attorneys out there. I have relationships with a lot of good ones. Um, But that is why you have liability coverage on your policy is in case something bad happens to Uh, somebody because of your properties and I would say no matter how rich you are no matter how many assets you have having liability coverage is incredibly important because it's just you don't know how much it could add up to and certainly especially if you have a lot of assets you know so it's just those three things coverage for your stuff coverage for the lost income you could incur from a building going down and coverage for bad things that happen to other people because of you
0: I like that breakdown, keeping it really simple, man. And, the, the, you know, being an attorney myself, I mean, that liability coverage is probably the most important one out of all of that because that can be kind of the bet your farm type of litigation that can just take everything all at once. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And that, that kind of plays in, comes into adding like how much liability coverage should you have? And I think that's a conversation between you and your insurance agent, but, you know, a rule of thumb is cover your assets. So if you've got an $8 million in assets, uh, maybe you have $8 million in liability coverage. Some would say that's a little high. Uh, Most lawyers would probably say that's exactly what I could come after, you know. And so that's the back and forth around what kind of liability coverage you have. But don't skimp on liability coverage. It's cheap anyway. Liability coverage is not expensive. So make sure you have enough of it.
0: Yeah, for sure. That might lead right into this. I mean, what, what are some of the typical insurance mistakes that you see uh, some of your clients or potential clients uh, making on a regular basis?
1: Yeah. So I think one, one, one of them, the easy one to explain is liability coverage, not having enough, right? And, and getting in a scenario where something bad has happened to someone and some, some, suddenly all the assets in that LLC are exposed. And that's where you get into the relationship between LLCs and liability insurance on your uh, person on your insurance policy.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Both of these things are important ways to protect your assets. So, if you're a, a real estate investor trying to figure out how to think about protection, well, you got the LLC piece. You can create LLCs, you could create one for every single entity, you could create at least one for all of your real estate investments. Um, lots of things in between. That's really a conversation with your lawyer. Um, and then you can have the right amount of liability insurance. That's a conversation with your insurance agent. I think the combination of those two things is how you sleep at night and feel like even if the worst thing happened, uh, I would be okay. My passive investors would be okay. It would all come out in the end.
0: Yeah. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast about asset protection. Cause I do a lot of that work as well, but you know, a lot of times it's like, oh, well, I just have, I have insurance, so we don't need asset protection, but you need both. And I haven't really put it the other way. I mean, people generally get some sort of insurance. Maybe they're underinsured or maybe it's not the proper insurance, but they at least attempt to, to try to get those policies in place. And then they don't get any asset management.
1: Yeah. And when it comes to the relationship between those two things, like neither your lawyer nor your insurance agent can say exactly what is going to happen in a bad case scenario, because we don't know what that particular lawyer who's suing you is going to say, what they're going to sue for, how they're going to play that, all those kinds of things. So the best thing we can do preemptively is to thoughtfully create the LLCs, you know, and then to thoughtfully place that uh, liability insurance and i think that's the the best way we can cover our basis on no matter how it goes down
0: yeah and you know i've heard that 80% of real estate investors are are not properly protected i mean what are some of the ways that they're not properly protected like where where are those holes where are you seeing that
1: so i say that all the time 80% of real estate investors are not properly protected and it sounds like a huge huge number your 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 listeners are saying four out of five people aren't properly protected, but I do portfolio reviews for real estate investors. I do probably one or two a day. And I'm looking at insurance policies that other insurance agents have put together for investors. And I would say honestly Seth, in the last two weeks it's more like 90%. It's like every single policy has and, and these aren't small gaps either. Now I, I don't I don't want to create fear like that's not what I'm trying to do. It's just that I don't think a lot of insurance agents understand How to properly insure real estate investments, and they see big numbers because there's no doubt. You know, most insurance agents make about 10 to 15 percent of your policy premium. So if you're thinking about your policy premium, think of 10 to 15 percent of that, and that's what that person is making. So if you've got a a decent sized real estate portfolio and your premium is $100,000, and you go to a real estate agent or excuse me, an insurance agent, and say, "Hey, can you help me out?" that insurance agent is thinking about $15,000. And I think that that makes a lot of insurance agents say yes when they really should say no. That makes them say, yeah, I I know how to do that. I can take great care of you. And then they go and try and figure it out. And I think that's the same as taking your car to a car shop and the car person saying, hey, yeah, I know how to fix that starter, no problem. Um, I'll have it to you, you know, tomorrow and by tomorrow, who knows what's happened over the course of that 24 hours. And, uh, yeah, they got you something that started and drove off the lot, but what happens after that? So I don't know why so many insurance policies are so bad. I just know that they are. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Uh, That makes sense, man. I mean, I I love that you specialize in in real estate investments. I mean, it it sounds like it's just like being an attorney. Like a lot of people hear, oh, well, you're an attorney. You know, my friends and family ask me about, you know, criminal things, you know, and I'm like, I don't Mm -hmm. dabble in that space. I don't know anything about it. I have no (laughs) clue. I mean, I have to research it myself. I mean, I have to go back into my notes before I took, you know, certain tests in law school, like things like that. I mean, I have no idea. So the fact that you Uh specialize in real estate investments is is awesome and it's interesting to hear that, you know, and I think our listeners take value in that, that they need to go out and find an insurance agent that knows about that specific niche of, of the type of insurance they're trying to attain.
1: I think it's really valuable, especially in commercial insurance. You know, if you got two or three single family homes, I think probably a regular insurance agent can solve that yeah. and not create too many problems when you get into multifamily in particular, multifamily is one of the hardest uh, types of insurance to get right. And it's also one of the hardest ones to place right now because so many insurance companies are moving away from it. Um, Multi. And when I say, yeah, multifamily insurance has been a loss for insurance companies for uh, the last, I think 12 or 13 quarters in a row. And so insurance companies are tightening up on that. They're, Some insurance companies are just saying we're not doing it anymore. And so that type of asset class in particular is a real dance and you want people who know what they're doing.
0: Gotcha. What about um, some of the other asset classes in commercial properties? Are you seeing a little bit of tightening up in that as well? Like let's say hospitality, retail, mobile home parks, anything like that?
1: Yeah. So it's a in, the, in insurance lingo, it's a hard market right now, which means that prices are going up in general. Now, the reasons behind that, there's lots of them. I can go into them if you want to. But in essence, that's been the case for really the last uh, couple of years. And so we've been just seeing that. Um, it seems like it's flattening out a little bit, though. So I would say, hopefully, we're not going to see some of your listeners have probably seen 20%, 30% increases in their multifamily in particular prices uh, on their renewals in the last couple of years. That's legit, um, unfortunately. And I think other asset classes, office is insurance companies are much more interested in office, industrial, retail than they are in multifamily. So you tend to be able to get a better rate for that. Um, mobile home parks. I mean, you're paying a lot less in insurance on mobile home parks, because oftentimes you don't own the actual property there. Yeah. But they are um, as hard to find a home for as multifamily, I would say they're in that same kind of realm. Um, so those are the asset classes that I think of, you know, um, if people spend the night there, it's harder to insure than if they don't. Sure. Gotcha. You know, I think that kind of breaks that down.
0: Yeah. So now that we know that we need insurance and that a lot of folks that have insurance aren't properly protected, I mean, how do we go about vetting an insurance company or vetting an insurance agent?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's about a lot of what I said at the beginning, like building that relationship. So I would you know, go to someone who understands real estate investing, definitely go to someone who's an independent agent because I mean, I think you're going to end up there anyway. So you might as well start there and build that relationship. Um, and then- see how that conversation goes. I mean, I had a, I was talking with someone the other day who's picking up a 156 unit uh, on the coast of Texas and he has an insurance agent. I was just asking him like how that relationship is. And he said, I mean, I, I, I never understand the conversations we have. I walk out of every conversation more confused than I was at the beginning of the conversation. Yeah. Now that agent <laughs> might be a genius. That agent might be really, really good at what they do right? Like, but if you can't tell, if you don't know, if you can't walk, like insurance is a promise. Essentially, all we are selling is a promise. We're selling a promise that if something bad happens, we're going to cover these specific things. Then when we hand you a big stack of papers and slap it down <laughs> on your table that says these specific things, just read all this and you'll be fine, right? But in essence, that, that big document with all that li- lingo and all those ex- and inclusions and things around it is a promise that if something bad happens, uh, we're going to do these things. And if no one can explain that to you in a way that is satisfactory to you, then that's problematic. Yeah. Um, I think there are some people who want it explained a lot, and there are some people who don't want it explained at all. And you know, that's another thing that I certainly do is is come to whatever level the investor is. So it's like, where are you at? If you don't want to explain it at all, you may not actually be an ideal client for me, because I want to know that you at least have some interest in this being right. But I don't need you to memorize the insurance policy. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I don't need you to know it all. You know, I just want to be able to have a solid conversation with you at least once a year to make sure we're on the same page, and um, we take it from there. So I think knowing is the big, biggest answer.
0: Yeah. Just kind of having those initial conversations. And, you know, once, once you have those conversations, you kind of get that, that gut check, like, Hey, how do I feel about this overall? Is this guy really looking out for my best interests or is he just trying to trying to make a sale? So that's why it's important to have those conversations early. Yeah.
1: I think if you've got a good vibe with someone, that's a good start. You know, if you don't, there's other people out there, right. You know, there are lots of people, who are good at this? Well, there, there are definitely a few people that are good at this, and you know, in commercial real estate, there's there's good real estate insurance agents all over the country. Find one and find one that you like and, and you enjoy the relationship with. Makes sense.
0: Makes sense. So this might elicit a little bit of fear, but you know, we're talking about insurance, so let let's do it anyways. Uh, maybe share one or two of you know some of your war stories that you've heard from investors where things. Um, didn't quite go as they expected, and they had some problems with their insurance because they didn't have the proper insurance in place or because uh, something like that?
1: Yeah, well, I I think the first thing I I think of is the word fear, right? And uh, there's, Tim Ferriss has a great article and uh, Logan Freeman was talking about it recently on LinkedIn, but he talks about fear is a really important thing to, understand to kind of write down so he lays out this thing if you look up tim ferris and fear you'll find it but you know it's basically like lay out all your fears okay here are my fears now what are the things i can do to mitigate those things that i'm scared of and what are things i can't right and so when we talk about things when i tell stories about bad things that happen you know it's like okay if you felt a fear from that okay write that down that's a fear I have, how can I mitigate it? And how can I solve that problem? And how can that free me up to potentially do more with my real estate investing? I mean, the reality is that if it weren't for insurance, none of us would be investing. Nobody but the top 1% of people uh, when it comes to money would be able to invest because there'd be simply too much risk if Mm -hmm. something bad happened. And so insurance levels the playing field So that we can all invest in real estate and part of that deal is you've got to pay some money for insurance to create that more level playing field. Now I'm not saying real estate is a totally level playing field. We have a lot to do to move forward for sure. But insurance does in some ways level the playing field for folks who don't have millions of dollars in the bank to be able to buy and grow their real estate. So a couple of stories. I'll give you one quick one. So I saw a picture the other day on Facebook and it was a real estate investor who had built a property out in a rural area and the house had been built. And then it was left vacant for, I think a couple of months. And the picture is the inside of this house and there is mud literally all the way up to the windows, down to the ground, all over the place and a milk cow standing in the middle of the living room. (laughs) And at first you're like, why is there a cow in this house? And so you read the description and it said, um, the cow's pasture was right next to this vacant house and they were able to get the door open and the cows had essentially been living inside this house as a part (laughs) of their process for the last month. So I looked at that and I chuckled from the picture and from the story, but I said, you know what? Everyone thinks that's covered by insurance and they're kind of wrong. There's three types of insurance policies. Two of those do not have coverage for cows breaking in and living in your home for a month. The, <laughs> the best kind does. So in my nerdy insurance brain, brain, I was like, oh, if they have basic or broad insurance, they don't have coverage for that. But if they have special, they do have coverage for that. So uh, that's one story is the story of the cow break-in
0: that's hilarious um, that just reminds me of like the farmers commercials where they're like you know is this covered and <laughs> does yeah the insurance company cover this
1: I think those are <laughs> commercials are great because at least I mean so many insurance commercials just have nothing to do with insurance and they're either yeah. funny or they're not right and if they are funny I give them kudos if they're not funny then I just totally like don't like that they didn't even talk about insurance and they weren't that funny um The farmer's commercials are great because they ask you to consider things that could go wrong and they're funny things that could go wrong. Yeah, so that would be a good example of one. Um, Another claim I had recently was front porch, two in the morning, smoking a cigarette, falls asleep, uh, couch on the front porch, lights on fire, um, front porch lights on fire, fire department comes out. This was a single family rental, so it wasn't super big, but it ended up being, I think, a $150,000 claim. Um, Tenants had to move out. And I think in that example, the tenants did not have a renter's insurance policy. And it really crossed, like the the investor came to understand very quickly the value of making sure your tenants have a renter's insurance policy. for one, the tenants were disappointed. Like they figured the owner's policy would cover all their stuff.? Right. So there's an assumption, it's a wrong assumption, but there's an assumption by your tenants that, oh, the owner's policy is going to come in and take care of you. So the, the first thing that happens after a, a place burns down is now your tenants are mad at you too. So you know that was part of the problem. You know The other is if a tenant has if that tenant had had a renter's policy, Instead of $150,000 paying out from the owner's policy, it would have been $150,000 paying out from the tenant's policy. You say, well, who cares? Because insurance is insurance and I don't care if my insurance company pays out money, but that would have uh, changed the effect on his future insurance premium right. uh, in a significant way. So I think that's two of the big stories. As far as uglier stories when, where people are really injured and, and uh, you know, those are a little harder to tell But, you know, I think those are there and they certainly happen. And part of what I feel proud to be able to do in in my job is is walk people through those experiences, whether they had an employee get hit by a car or something, you know, worse happening. Um, You know, I spend a lot of time helping people navigate these situations. And it's one of, it's hard to say the joys of my job because it's weird because it's like people going through really bad stuff but at least I can, you know, help them walk through that stuff.
0: Yeah. And I think it kind of relates back to what you said before. I mean, bad things do happen and and that's what insurance is for. And it, you know, insurance allows you allows people to mitigate their risk so that more people can invest because otherwise the risk is just too high for you to go from something to absolutely nothing. If you don't have insurance.
1: Yeah, and then if you bring on passive investors, which I know a lot of your listeners are are listening from the lens of passive investors, right? Like, mm-hmm. as as a passive investor, I would encourage you to see the insurance policy of your, you know, uh, general partners or sponsors or whoever you're working with. I think that's a reasonable request in your underwriting process to make sure that this risk is protected, and you're not dealing with a, you know, a cap call or worse when something bad happens. Um, so.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, Before we jump into the Freedom Four, one last golden nugget for our listeners.
1: You know, I just think I've I've gone over it a lot, that the relationship is just so darn important. I think that having a sense of what you need in your insurance, understanding it a little bit, putting aside the fact that maybe you hate insurance, maybe you've heard bad (laughs) stories about insurance, maybe you think it's all BS and you know, whatever it is, put that aside, find someone who can actually explain things to you and see it as something that enables you to be able to invest in real estate. Um, I think that's the biggest golden nugget that I have from the insurance perspective.
0: Love that. Love that. All right. Let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the
1: Freedom Four.
0: What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy?
1: It's a pretty weak answer, but it's, uh, so I go on two walks a day. So I go on a walk when I first wake up and I go on a walk during lunch. And during COVID, I've been on the pretty extreme, like staying in our, in fact, we closed our main office of our, our uh, agency and have been mostly in my house over the course of this year. Um, And so those walks are really, really important to me. That's when I listen to podcasts. That's when I uh, even have phone calls sometimes. I don't know if you, Seth, if you ever take phone calls on a walk, but it's actually really great. Although I think the wind sound maybe isn't the best, but I really enjoy talking on the phone on a walk. So uh, walks is my answer. Awesome,
0: man. Awesome. Yeah. Whatever you got to do to get out and get moving. I mean, especially through 2020, where people were just forced to, you know, be in their homes all the time. I and mean, you've got to got to make time to get out and get moving. So yeah in an alternative universe where you weren't involved in insurance, what would you be doing?
1: So when I was 19 years old and I'm in my forties now, but uh, I had been playing soccer my whole life. Uh, I was ready to go to college. I'm from San Diego, California. And then my parents moved me to Indianapolis for middle school and high school. (laughs) And I wanted to go back to San Diego on a soccer scholarship and play soccer. And uh, about four years after that moment is when the first MLS draft was for what is now the the Major League Soccer yeah. uh, here, and so the bar was a little bit lower at that point to get into Major League <laughs> Soccer. So, uh, in an alternative universe where I was an insurance agent, I could go back and see how far I could have gone on that journey uh, playing soccer.
0: I like it. I like it, man. All right, where were you at five years ago, and where do you see yourself in your business five years from now?
1: Well, five years ago, we were two years into Shine. So, I mean, I had just started a brand new business. I was two years in. Uh, so it was just all on my shoulders. I think I had one part-time employee and that was it. Um, where I am now is we have four employees. And, and uh, so where I see myself from five years is those stories you hear from folks with mature businesses where they are the face of the business, they are the voice of the business, they're the the direction of the business, and they're still the person communicating with their clients and things like that, but the team has now become sort of an embodiment of their idea of the business and is taking it forward in a way they never could have done it themselves. Um, I hope in five years, um, I'm at a place where I say, wow, five years ago, I was doing a lot more of the the small stuff mm-hmm. instead of really taking my brand to a higher level.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you'll get there, man. And it seems like you still, and you love doing the the educating portion, right? So you're probably gonna continue doing that no matter what.
1: Absolutely. I enjoy it a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, last question. How has passive income made your or your clients' life better?
1: You know, I talk with, uh, I don't talk as many With as many passive income investors, because I'm obviously talking on the insurance side mostly with the folks who are doing general partnerships and Mm. and actually investing, Um, but it's still a level of passive income. I mean, I talk with a lot of people who are not at work, (laughs) you know, and who are directing a team of of people. Um, and so I certainly see how real estate truly changes people's lives. And I've seen a lot of people deeper in the journey who are doing what they want with their day. You know, they're, most of them are working because I think there's a sense inside of all of us that we want to be engaged. We want to work. But, uh, you know, one client in particular, I think about, he talks about it all the time. He's like, you know, I can't believe the life I've created for my family. Can't believe the fact that. I do what I want to do when I want to do do it and uh you know he's just really proud of where he's at what he's done and it took a lot of grit to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate you sharing that and you know passive is really on a gray scale. I mean, you know we talk about side hustles and you know even active investing in real estate and other types of um you know other kind of jobs really but they're usually your jobs it's usually has to do with entrepreneurship where you control your time a little bit more and you can kind of set things aside and, and, you know, be with your family, be with your friends and do the things that you want to do
1: when you want to do them. Absolutely. I went for a walk yesterday afternoon. I left at two 30 because my wife came in and was like, Hey, you want to go for a walk? And I was like, yeah, what's, what's stopping me, (laughs) you know? And and I think that even though I, I still work a lot, I think I still have a lot to do to grow the business that I have. I could still go for a walk at 2:30 in the afternoon and get home by 10 or by, you know, 6 PM and not think twice about it and not have to ask anybody whether I was allowed to do it or not.
0: Yep. That's what it's all about, man. Jeremy, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. Where can our listeners find out more about you?
1: Absolutely. Well, I mentioned that 80% of, P- of real estate investors have terrible insurance policies. If you want to find out if yours is one of them, you can go to uh, shineinsurance.com REI. We've got a quick three minute quiz that asks you five questions so you can find out whether you are one of that 80%. Uh, you can find us on YouTube at Shine Insurance and on all the social media spaces at Shine Insure or Jeremy Goodrich.
0: All right, brother. Appreciate it, man. Talk soon.
1: Seth Proudy for this podcast. You're doing great and uh, I look forward to seeing what what happens next.
0: See, I told you that would be fun. Jeremy makes nerdy insurance enjoyable and that's why his YouTube channel is on fire. I loved how he really put insurance into perspective and that is without it, there would be no real estate investing and there probably wouldn't be a lot of businesses that we know today in existence or at least not for the everyday person. It would be for the wealthiest 1% of the 1% simply because the risk without it would be entirely too great. It would be an all or none. You would be susceptible to that catastrophic event at all times, 100% loss. Insurance allows the business world to function. Imagine if you didn't have malpractice insurance. How would that change the way you do business? Additionally, Your agent needs to be an integral part of your team that you build out during your investing career. They will advise you, keep you safe, prevent you from incurring significant, catastrophic loss, and unfortunately, it does happen from time to time. If you'd like to learn more about creating passive income streams while still succeeding in your career, reach out to me at Seth at PassiveIncomeAttorney.com And go to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com and join the Esquire Investor Club. You don't have to be an attorney to apply. Until next time, celebrate
1: the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.